Escapades of Thaddeus Littleman, Chapter 3, The Feast of an Innocent. Thaddeus should have retreated, but irrational hope was always one of his cardinal vices. From the open van window, he heard familiar spirits, sprites even, woodland fairies, or maybe they were just common Jersey birds. They sounded lovely. Birds scurrying and chipmunks chirping through the underbrush. Thaddeus had already spotted so many deer. Had he already contracted Lyme disease through an infected black-legged tick, aka the dreaded deer tick, or DDT? How long had he remained supine on the sandy ground? With field guides on the plane, he had been studying the topography and the ecology of New Jersey, the Pine Bear. If it had to be home, at least for now, he would learn all he could about the region. Cranberries and blueberries were huge from a secure private location, even in the Kia Sorento. An extension cord could provide light and privacy for reading and writing and munching fruits local. And wasn't there school to prep for? Perhaps American schools were more rigorous than British schools, even in what the Yanks called seventh grade. But then the cousin grabbed his BB gun from his closet and said it was time to lock and load. Still in his seersucker jacket, the father would just have to pay the dry cleaning bill. Thaddeus soon found himself walking through the dappled woods in the back of the aunt's abode. If this was a wilderness, Thaddeus could bring some dedicated follower of fashion to feel alive. After all, Thaddeus didn't want to kill anything. The ground was dry and sandy. No tree grew closer than 20 feet apart. Many of the trees were infested with what he later discovered were bagworms. The terrain was not like the soggy green he knew in England. If something moved, the cousin shot. If something creaked, the cousin shot. The backyard was full of shot-up Budweiser cans and Coke cans. There was even a Barbie doll hanging from a branch that had been shot through the vagina. Was this symbolic of America's treatment of women? From up ahead, the cousin called over to Thaddeus. The cousin, in his gunman garb, was crunching down underneath the weather-beaten picnic table. Half the seat on the left side was gone, the table itself a space raider pickled onion bag of crisps for termites. Up there, the cousin said. You hear that? Thaddeus nodded. The bird sounded lovely. Take a shot, the cousin demanded, tossing him the gun. The gun wasn't heavy. It didn't seem like a proper gun at all. Couldn't have much range. What did Thaddeus know of aiming? The only thing he aimed for was the heart, with his poetry, and at times the mind with his essays. He only played those carnival games with his mom and the father in Brighton where you squirt water at a target to move the rabbit or something like that. Once his mom's family had a picnic and his uncle Reginald brought water pistols and they had a mini war on Hampstead Eve. That was fun. But that family was back in England. No upper class twits or lower class twits in that family at all. And what the hell did the father think, taking him away from everything Thaddeus loved? Did he not feel included, worthy, 
Maybe the father just made himself that way. A defense against what made him insecure. <laughs> what right did he have? As the father, perhaps he had the right, but what about ethics? Couldn't the father still reside legally as the father in the States while Thaddeus remained legally on British soil with Uncle Reggie and Hammersmith? The father could always Venmo money to Thaddeus if that was the issue. Was it his fault that the American man, James, the father Littleman, married a British woman? He made the decision to move to Britain. His son was British. It seemed like a crime against sense and sensibility. Perhaps if things didn't work out here, his uncle would take him back to England. Perhaps Thaddeus could make things go wrong. It wasn't in his nature to go bad, but maybe the environment and the culture could influence his untapped evil. The cousin commanded, fire, fire, and Thaddeus gripped the gun hard. He raised the gun unconsciously, angry now, angry at everything that had, had been taken away from him, and named the gun in obeyance, and spotted the lone yellow bird in the pitch pine. It was his first shot, and it was pitch perfect. Almost. Wow, the cousin declared. You're a dead-eye dick. Have you shot before? That was great. Thaddeus lowered his gun, deflated, and shook his head. With his arm, he covered his tears. The cousin ran to the bird. The yellow bird twitched on the sand. Around its body, its wing dusted the sand. It wasn't dead, but it should have been dead. Where was the blood? It wasn't going to fly or sing again. <laughs> so much for free will. If that bird would have landed any other tree, it would still be singing now, looking for thistle or another yellow bird. So much for standing out as a yellow bird in a field of green and brown. Do animals feel pain as much as humans? Fear the absence of life? Dread not having time to correct wrongs or finish symphonies? What did the dying bird want from life? Did two huge figures hovering over him make the pain worse? Was this more painful than the BB shot in his gut tearing apart his innards? I'm not even here an hour, and already I'm a destroyer, he thought. But the cousin was thinking none of this. On his arse, he watched the bird die, excited with the death. Thaddeus closed his eyes. He couldn't see the black-eyed soul of the yellow bird anymore. It was a softie. That was okay. His mommy said it. He had a sensitive soul. It was not a world sensitive to sensitivity. After all, Thaddeus Littleman lumped people into three categories. Creators, guardians, and destroyers. What should we do? Thaddeus, the guardian, finally asked. It's your kill, the cousin said. It's your decision. It's horrible watching him die. Then finish him off. Do you ever wonder who will be hovering over you when you die? No, that's sick. The yellow bird suddenly stopped twitching. I shot it, Thaddeus said. I should eat it. What are you talking about, the cousin asked. Are you sick or a future psycho killer? With a rusted shovel from behind the rickety green shed, Thaddeus picked up the dead bird and placed the bird on a plastic tray. As Thaddeus ran inside, he heard the cousin call for him, but Thaddeus insisted on researching before deciding anything with the poor dead yellow bird. Using the father's iPhone, he googled Yellow Bird, New Jersey. The Cornell Lab for Ornithology confirmed he killed a male yellow goldfinch. 
the state bird of New Jersey. It was a crime to kill the bird. A crime? Already he was committing great evil. He read about his habitat, its behavior, and the color patterns, and listened to its call on audio. Irony rarely eluded Thaddeus. Outside, with a cousin gone, Thaddeus plucked out the feathers and took out the small bones. It was quite the procedure. He mused, almost gleefully, Perhaps the family will place me somewhere on the scale of a potential psychopath and commit me to the peace and quiet of a cell where I can write and read and start The Life and Times of Thaddeus Littleman, a memoir. Then he thought, was the bird's existence and sudden death only to teach me a lesson? Even an anatomy lesson? Cats kill how many birds a year? Do they weep over disrupting the universe or crafting a wrinkle in time? I will never use a gun again, unless absolutely necessary. He remembered when listening to Hamlet with his mom on audio during one evening. It was stormy. The living room was dark, but she cracked open a window, as if the house was Elsinore. His mom lit candles. It was a night he would never forget. They were alone in the house, and when Hamlet says, Conscious doth make cowards of us all, his mom stopped the audio and asked, Thaddeus, what do you think about that line? He thought, But it's that conscious that makes us human, feeling human, Thaddeus said, remembering more than the warmth of his mom's hug and kiss on his ear that made him shiver, more than what she replied. Inside the house, Thaddeus asked the aunt for a saute pan, olive oil, and spices. She was talking with the father. She didn't even ask what he wanted it for. She didn't have olive oil, but she did have vegetable oil. <laughs> it would have to do. The only spice was dried oregano. The kitchen was a disaster. How could they eat without spices and olive oil? He overheard the father tell the aunt that Thaddeus was a venerable Betty Crocker in the kitchen. Thaddeus would have preferred Julia Child or Dominique Crenn. It was all his mom's doing. Thaddeus is used to a Mediterranean diet, by the way, the father whispered. So it's going to be quite the transition for the lad. Why was it always his mum? Besides his high cheekbones and straight teeth and aquiline nose and thick dark hair, what the heck good did he get from the father? After five minutes, probably from smelling this tiny sliver of meat cooking, the father yelled what he was cooking. I shot a bird, Thaddeus said. And now I'm cooking it. It's the least I can do. Thaddeus brought the plate to the cousin in the den. The aunt had bags of plastic forks and spoons on the counter. He assumed she didn't like doing dishes. Everything was disposable. Everything also seemed eaten in front of the TV. Thaddeus handed the cousin a fork. I cooked the bird I shot. Let's share it. You're nuts. Hunters eat what they kill, Thaddeus said. It's the way of nature. It's not my nature, the cousin said, stuffing his face with a microwaved hot pocket and a can of Mountain Dew. The bird will haunt you. Trust me. You eat it. We'll both eat it, okay? But the cousin refused. Thaddeus sliced the splinter of meat with the edge of the plastic fork and ate the bird. You're a madman, the cousin exclaimed. Thaddeus saved the other half and folded the meat into plastic and placed it next to the butter. Dinner on that first night was frozen pizza, 
followed by three hours of reality TV. Cousin Z stayed in her room. Thaddeus started out sleeping on the top bunk, but at midnight, unable to sleep under the cousin's sunshine Superman and Jefferson airplane universe, all with wanting to wail without awakening the wrath of the cousin, he took his pillow and blankets and situated himself rather pleasantly in the Sorrento. A cracked window allowed for air, the oxygen needed and the confessions essential, a sliver to the ear of the heavens. How wonderful to have privacy. Talking to his mom out loud without anyone thinking he was crazy was a glory never before conceived. The crickets were his choir, the wind, the piccolos, the clarinets and the flutes, the pine needles, the percussion, a snare atop the van. No one would dare call him a baby or tease him or mock him besides the deafening silence of his own insecurities. He could curse the damn father for taking him away from all he knew and loved, even though father was the only man in his life for now. He wouldn't have to worry about hurting him. In his journal, this budding memoir, he wrote, It is a truth university acknowledged that every boy has at least one dead bird story. So it was with me. Then, as he was drifting off, the night hiding the horror of the day, during this restless night of the soul, he thought of a devious 